Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Alrighty, over the last few days we've been looking at uh, the argument for why Christians uh, should look at creeds and confessions. If you've missed any of those broadcasts, just go to your iTunes store and subscribe to uh, The Gospel for Life and you'll be able to listen to them. And we have started to unpack what the Apostles' Creed means line by line. And today we approach the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the second the second line of the Apostles' Creed says this, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. So, brothers, what, what does this mean and what does this not mean? And I, I guess I asked the second part just to help set up the, the question a little bit is – because as you know, we've been looking at the state of theology um, over the last few months, and one of the alarming questions in there is that uh, a, a good portion of evangelicals, I think well over 50%, believe that Jesus Christ is the first and great, greatest created being of God. So what does the Apostles' Creed mean here, and what does it not mean? Well, uh, first of all, the word begotten does not mean uh Born as in the sense that we are born, that that at one time he did not exist, and then he was begotten or born and does exist. Um, this language is connected to the language of Nicaea, and which of course is 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 grounded in the language of Scripture. Uh, that uh, Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father. In other words, this this relationship of begottenness between the Father and the Son is an eternal relationship. Uh, there was there was no time when Jesus was not. He he is the Son of God is from all eternity. And even just to back up, even the introduction, Jesus Christ, um, Christ actually has meaning. Um, so even before it's talking about that he's the begotten Son, it's telling us his title. Christ means that he is um, the mediator. He is the the anointed one. Would be. Um, the language of Scripture that he's the perfect prophet, priest, and king. Um, so it's telling us something about um, Jesus is that he is was born, took on human flesh, Christ, the, who what his job role was as mediator, and then he is the only begotten Son. Um, where is his source? He's he's the Son of God. He's God. So there's a lot just in those opening lines in the, the names and titles of Christ um, tell us much about who he is, and then it ends with our Lord. So in that alone, you're, you're dealing with a, a huge um, amount of information about the second person of the, of the Trinity. Yeah. Okay, so that deals with a very uh, – helpful description of Jesus being in um, 
and truly God in his nature. Secondly, the, the second Maybe part, I should just add real quickly that our Lord also is a, is a distinction there that's, that's giving him equality with the Father. Yes. Um, so, I mean... Jesus is not a junior member of the Godhead. That's correct. I mean, you just... To unpack those words that begin the second part of the Apostles' Creed really is is telling you an absolute ton of theological truth um, and and at least a part of it is that Jesus Christ is God. Yeah. Yes, and and let's remember uh, as we talk about creeds and confession the very the very earliest Christian creed that we know in the history of the church outside the New Testament the very earliest Christian creed was three words. Jesus is Lord. Mm, right. In, in other words Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is God with us. Uh, that was a that was a radical statement. Then it's a radical statement now. Maybe, yeah, it was a radical statement then, partly because of the way that Roman culture was coming against Christians in a very particular way. They believed in a whole plethora of gods, yep. and it was tantamount to treason to claim that there's only one God. And let's just be very clear here. And I want to be very clear in a loving way. I know that we live in a in a particular culture here in the Treasure Valley that's very uh, inundated with um, our LDS friends and neighbors, but and there's been a move within Mormonism itself to identify as Christians for a number of years at this point. But the Bible simply does not allow you to call yourself a Christian authentically if you deny the absolute lordship and deity of Jesus Christ. You're not a Christian. That's not what a Christian is, is a person who denies the lordship and deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And that goes back to that word begotten. That, you know, and that's a difficult word to wrap our heads around because we're not talking about biological origin there. Um, this is not one of the begats. Of the of of scripture, where you have a genealogy given to you, um, it refers to the unique relationship, the eternal connection of the closest sort within the triune Godhead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is one of a kind; he's not a created being, uh, and the and so the creeds uh, were actually answering and uh, you know some and addressing and rejecting some of the errors that regarded Jesus as a creature as a created being and and so they're not they they were they're not they're not trying to stretch logic or semantics but they were just trying to say he was the unique one of a kind mm-hmm. um so and not only unique one of a kind but right. the inheritor of everything that, that right. god inherits he's not, you know he's he is god he's not he's he, this is god and god not with it's not god with parts he's you know each each of the uh, three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equally and fully God, and they're not modes of being either. So he, you know, he's not God the Father at one time and God the Son at another time and God the Holy Spirit at another time. They're not modes. Um, so there's this is part of what's being uh, summarized in the creed itself. Yeah, there are three I think crucial passages to understanding who Jesus Christ is. John one. Um, Colossians 1 mm-hmm. and Hebrews 1. Yep. And just quoting from Hebrews 1 to, to, to support what Jonathan is saying, that Jesus Christ, um, the author says, is the exact imprint of God's nature. Right. Um, the author is, is very clearly trying to, 
to point out he's not another. He is God. And we can add that to that Philippians 2. Philippians 2. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the second part of this first line deals with uh, more of the nature of of man that Jesus is. We read that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus was born from a human mother, um, which I got to say, I was in a conversation with a, a brother the other day, and I made the audacious claim to say that Jesus had a human soul, and that shocked him. He actually went and he has a, a page on Facebook, a Christian reform page actually, and he actually asked the question, did Jesus have a human soul? And on this reform page, 50% of people said no. Huh. No. That he doesn't have a human soul. Yeah. Now, it, it was my wrong to claim such an audacious <laughs> claim as that? Well, the when we say truly human, uh, yeah, I, I, that... In a way, it's an audacious claim, but it, but it's a true claim. When, when when we say Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary, we're saying that he is truly human. We're saying Jesus is, or as the to use the adjective that uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith uses, very God and very human. Mm-hmm. Uh, very God of very God. That, that we can, or, or we can say uh, truly God and 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 truly human. And I, I think, frankly, that, that throughout history that. that the temptation of unbelief is to downplay or reject the divinity of Jesus. That's the temptation of unbelief, to, re- to reduce him to a really good man or, or as a profound prophet of God, but not, not God himself. That's unbelief. Yeah. The, the temptation on the Christian side of that equation, the, the temptation on, of, of believers throughout history— has been what the early church called the heresy of docetism, which is to um, almost reject his humanity, that Jesus was this divine being sort of pretending to be human, but really sort of floating around 10 feet off the ground. He had, and the, really veil, not, he had the veil of human flesh all over over his deity, but that was it. But that was it, yes. And there's, there's major problems with that view. First of all, you have a hermeneutical problem because you come to places like Luke chapter 1, verse 80, where it says the child, that's Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. And another place said that he grew in wisdom before man and God. Yeah. What part... What, which nature grew in wisdom? Yes, yeah. The, the, the God nature? Yeah. So God is growing in wisdom? No, right. his human nature. Well, what part of his human nature? Flesh, I'm pinching my arm right now. Flesh doesn't have, you know, just merely skin and bones and meat doesn't have wisdom to it. No, it's the human right. soul. That's the first problem. Is you have a hermeneutical problem if you deny that Jesus has a soul. But the second problem you have uh, human soul. The second problem you have is that Jesus actually had to obey for us as a man. Mm-hmm. Right. If he didn't obey for us as a man, then he's not our substitute. And he's not our mediator. Uh, you know, the both the New Testament and the language of the Westminster Confession of Faith emphasizes that Jesus is our mediator, and he is the only one who can be our mediator to reconcile us to God because he's the only one who is truly God and truly human. Yeah. Therefore, he can stand as our go-between, our, our mediator who reconciles us to the Father. I know you're chomping at the bit to say something, but can I, can I press this question on because we have like two minutes left. Why is it so significant that Jesus was being con- was conceived of the Holy Spirit? Because that's what this line says. There was Rob Bell a few years ago said, what do we really lose if, you know, 
if we lose the virgin birth? What do we lose? We lose our Savior because if he's not born of the Virgin Mary, um, I mean, conceived by the Holy Spirit, then he is conceived with original sin. And if he's conceived with original sin, when we don't have a Savior, because the only thing that allows Jesus Christ to be the the spotless one um, is not just his sinless life, but his sinless, unblemished nature. And if he's only born of a woman, then he's going to have original sin and therefore is going to be disqualified to be able to go to Calvary's cross and give of his life as a ransom. Well, this would be the time to add anything else, brothers. Nothing to add. Mm. Amen. Perfectly exposited the Apostles' Creed right there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, you know, the, the, you know, the Nicene Creed and the Chalcedon Creed are going to actually contribute. Uh, again, the Chalcedon Creed is going to contribute to this whole idea and go back over, does um, Jesus have one or two natures? You know, is he, does he – you know, are they somehow mixed or confused? Uh, you know, or is, does his divine nature cancel out the human nature? Or the human nature cancel out the divine in some way? But uh, uh, so they're going to go through that, and I, I think, you know, of course, that would be a whole nother show there yeah, yeah. Uh, to talk about those things. But we we need to understand, um, you know, that the second person of the Trinity takes on human nature, and he took on a human flesh and human nature that didn't make his human nature deified. Um, it remains human, and you know what? What he, you know? The, if there's something outside of us, if there's something in us that uh, Christ did not take on, that's not that's something that He can't redeem. Yeah, and so He had to take on our whole nature to redeem our whole nature. That's right. Yeah, Augustine dealt with this issue of before he became converted, he dealt with this issue of not being able to understand divine mysteries like the Trinity and and the incarnation. And he, Ambrose just simply questioned him and, and he's basically, well, if you used your ability to understand something as the foundation of belief, you wouldn't believe anything. I mean, how many things do you not understand on a regular basis? So we'll continue this uh, exposition of the Apostles' Creed next time on the program. We'll see you. 